It's good to see everyone out this morning. I want to join in with the others in welcoming you here today. I'd like to thank Carrie for the prayer on my behalf. Uh, as always, I hope that the things I have to say will be beneficial to you. And of course, according to God's word, um, if I look a little more tired today, it's because I actually had to go to work this week. So I know you guys feel sorry for me, but we're going to get through this. I've entitled the lesson this morning, Jesus Christ and Him Crucified. And as I was trying to come up with a lesson, you know, I always have thoughts and things I want to do a study on. And uh, 1 Corinthians 2 was actually where I was at, but I was looking more at 14 through 16. And we are not going to talk about that at all today because we've moved over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And as we read this, Paul is, or is referring back to his time in Corinth on his missionary journey. And in verse 1, he says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I had determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. When thinking back to the lessons that we've heard over the last couple of months, we've had two or three sermons that dealt with baptism. Jason talked about becoming a new creature. I felt that this was, I, I guess I kept getting pulled back to this because once we become that new creature, this is what we should be doing. We should be spreading the gospel. We should be teaching the gospel. And that's what Paul did. And when we think about Paul in this situation, and we think about the society that he was preaching in here at Corinth, he had a tough job ahead of him, didn't he? You see, Paul was preaching to a church that was being influenced by outside society that basically had little to no morals. A society that was full of fornication, drunkenness, false gods, among many other things. This immorality was not only accepted in many cases, it could have been seen as worship. It was a place that was full of sin, and yet Paul has this job to go in and preach the gospel. And that's got to be a scary To give you an idea of kind of how bad it was in Corinth at the time, there was a comedic playwright named Aristophanes. I hope I said that right. And he actually coined the term Corinthianize to mean debauchery or extreme indulgence in bodily pleasure. When I think of this guy being a comedian player, I think of these late night talk show hosts who take the things of the day and they make fun of them. These, their immorality was comedic to them. It was so bad that a comedic playwright named debauchery after the Corinthians. It was bad. And yet Paul had to go in here and he had to preach the word of God to people who didn't know God, who took part in this sin on a daily basis. What a hard job that was. You see, not only was that happening, but when he's writing this, he's writing back to the church at Corinth that had been established. And he's, he's heard that all these sins are starting to seep into the church. You look at chapter one and you see of this same book and you see that they are fighting over who baptized them. So there's a lack of unity. There's divisions. There's a lack of spiritual maturity, immortality, a lack of integrity. 
issues with marriage and divorce, unscriptural worship, misuse of spiritual gifts, among many other things. These things are seeping into the church. And I got to thinking, you know, it doesn't sound very different from the society around us. And we as a church, we have to stay strong when these things start trying to seep in, when those temptations start trying to come in. And we've got to be able to preach the gospel to people in spite of that. And I think we can look at Paul and we can see his approach to spreading the gospel And I think we can learn a lot from that. And that's what I want to look at today. So I want to look at just a few approaches that Paul took to spreading the gospel. And the first thing I want to look at is the fact that Paul preached in spite of his insecurities and weaknesses. When we think about preaching the gospel, it's easy for us to find an excuse not to do that, isn't it? Well, they'll never listen to me. I tried that a long time ago. Why would I go try it again? I just don't know enough about the gospel. We make these excuses when really it's us just not wanting to go out and spread the gospel. We let our insecurities, we let our weaknesses influence the fact that we don't want to go out there and preach the gospel. What are they going to say about me? Oh, I just can't do it. But I'm going to tell you, Paul was the first to tell you about his insecurities, his weaknesses. He wrote about them. He talked about them. But I want you to know something about Paul. Paul preached the gospel in spite of those insecurities and weaknesses. Are we doing the same thing today? You see, Paul understood that his weaknesses as a human. Paul, like us, had many fears. He understood that he might not have been the best speaker. He understood that there were some things that might hinder his progress. And you look at Acts chapter 18 and verse 9. This is actually when Paul was in Corinth. He says, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. Paul was afraid. He says, For I am with thee, and no man shall set to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Paul had fear. Paul, it wasn't the most comfortable thing for Paul to go out there and preach the word of God in Corinth. It wasn't the easiest thing for him. But you know what? He did it anyway. In spite of his fears, in spite of his weaknesses. Here it says that uh, it seems like he's worried about maybe being hurt. And I, I don't really think it's because he's scared for his life. I think it might be more the fact that, hey, if I'm hurt, I can't go out there and preach the gospel. Whatever it was, Paul had a fear here. And the Lord says, hey, go do it anyway. And I want you to see what Paul did. If you look in that last verse, it says he continued there a year and six months in spite of his fear. He did it anyway. How often do we opt out of spreading the gospel because we're afraid somebody might call us a name or we're afraid of some kind of retaliation? We need to be out there preaching the word of God anyway, just like Paul did. We hear a lot about Paul's thorn in the flesh, and while we don't know a lot about what that actually was, we know it bothered him. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse uh, verse 7, it says, a messenger of Satan to harass me. He called this thorn of flesh a messenger of Satan. It was something that bothered him. It's something that hindered him that he did not want to have a part of. In fact, if you read on in verse 8, it says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. 
Paul says three times I pleaded that I didn't have to deal with this. But listen to what it says in verse nine. It says, but he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See what Paul understood? That in spite of that weakness, that it would show the power of God all the more when he preached the gospel, when he spread the gospel, when he went out to serve God, in spite of that weakness. Don't we want to see the power of God more than our own? That's what Paul's saying here. In spite of that weakness, I'm going to continue to preach. I'm going to continue to serve God. How often do we sit at home on a Wednesday or a Sunday because maybe our head hurts a little bit? Not to say there aren't reasons that we're going to miss every once in a while. But how often do we use those minor things as an excuse not to go to church or to go out and spread the gospel or to go have a Bible study? Paul didn't let that keep him back. He saw it as an opportunity to show the power of Christ in him. Are we doing the same? Because he understood the importance of the gospel. You know, Paul wasn't known for his wonderful speaking abilities either. And when we think of the, the society there in Greece at this time, we know that speaking ability was held in very high regard. Philosophers who could debate philosophy with a silver tongue would win people over. Not because necessarily what they said was the correct thing, but because they could say it in a way that attracted people, that flattered people. Paul didn't have that ability. If he did, he wasn't going to show it. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But the fact is, is people thought his speech was contemptible. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 10, it says, For his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. Paul understood that he wasn't the best speaker. He knew that. And I think it bothered him to an extent, not because of the talent thing, but he worried if his, if his ability or his inability to speak might hinder the gospel. In 1 Corinthians 2 from our text, verse 3, it says, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Paul was worried. He was worried because he was afraid that his inability to give this wonderful, great speech would cause the gospel to fall on deaf ears. But he preached anyway. How often do we excuse ourselves from preaching the gospel because we think we don't know enough or because we think we're not a very good speaker or we could never convince somebody? You see, we're taking the power from God's word when we do that. We're taking away opportunities to spread the gospel when we do that. But I'm going to tell you something. Paul preached anyway, and he made a difference. And it wasn't that he made a difference. God's word made a difference. We've got to do the same thing today. Because we never know who might respond to the gospel if we're willing to get out there and share it. Romans 10 and 14, it says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher. 
How many people in the city of Amarillo are not hearing the gospel because we're not willing to get out there and preach it? Because we've made an excuse to stay in our comfort zones. I'm going to tell you, in my case, there's too many. We've got to get out there and preach the word of God and give people that opportunity. Because in, in the end, it's not about us. It's about the word of God. That's what's going to change lives. James 4 and verse 17 we mention this a lot when we talk about sins of omission. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. When we know to do something and we don't do it, it's sin. I read somewhere they called this, instead of the Great Commission, where we're to go out and spread the word, spread the gospel, they call it the Great Omission because we fail to do that. Too often we stay in our comfort zones and we're not out there spreading the word of God like we should. We've got to be out there spreading the gospel in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our fears, in spite of our insecurities. We need to push past those because the word of God will make a difference if we give it the opportunity. Which leads us to the next approach that I want to look at, and that's the fact that Paul spoke the word plainly. Paul spoke the word plainly. You see, Paul didn't do anything to entice, trick, seduce people into a faith in Christ. He understood that if he used anything but the word of God in its simplicity, that the foundation of their faith would be broken. They needed a foundation on the word of God and Paul understood that and that's what he did. First Corinthians two and verse one in our text, it says, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. He says, I didn't come to you with this great speech. I brought you the word of God. What are we bringing today? Are we bringing the word of God to people? Are we trusting in its simplicity? You see, Paul didn't want to retract from the word of God. He didn't want to do anything that took away from teaching people the word of God. 1 Corinthians 1 and 17, in the previous chapter, he says, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Listen to this, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. You see, Paul understood how important it was for somebody to be a great speaker in Greece at that time, in Corinth at that time. You see, he didn't want to come with this great speech. He didn't want them to come to Christ for any reason but the fact that they submitted to the word of God and they heard the word of God simply and plainly. He wasn't going to be a peddler of the word either. He wasn't going to use it for his own gain. Second Corinthians four and verse one or verse two, it says, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. Paul wasn't about tricking people. Paul was about sharing the word of God in its simplicity in its completeness and giving the people the opportunity to build their faith on the word of God. You see, there was no smoke machine. There was no live rock band or lighting to provoke emotion. He relied on God's word to do the job. Are we doing the same thing today? Are we relying on God's word? Do we trust in God's word enough that we can speak it plainly and people will respond to that? I hope so, because it's powerful enough. And we'll talk about that in a minute. You know, I put some pictures up here and this first one, it says, Harry Potter meets Jesus. When you look at that picture there, what's the first thing you see? It's not Jesus. It's Harry Potter. 
Somebody said, well, how can we reach out to the community and get people in our pews? What can we do to get people to come to church? Well, hey, let's talk about Harry Potter. Are we building our faith on Harry Potter? Or are we building on Jesus? You know, I've talked to so many people about church and they, they say, man, you should come to our church. We got this great coffee ministry. And the first thing I say is, I hate coffee. But aside from that, this whole idea, hey, come to my church because you can have th- this great cup of coffee and it's going to be wonderful. We can sit down and what are we basing our faith on? Coffee or the word of God? This one hits home to me right here. This rock band, it looks like a concert. My daughter came home two weeks ago and she said, they told me I was lame because we don't have that. Good teaching opportunity, right? But is that why we're going to church? Is that the emphasis we're putting on our worship? Is that the emphasis we're using to spread the word of God to the people in this community? That we have great coffee, or we're talking about Harry Potter, or we've got our live rock band? Or is our emphasis saying, hey, we've got the word of God. Nothing's more powerful than that. You know, Adam, he had a a great lesson on the misconceptions of of hell the other day, a few weeks ago, I guess. And I'm going to steal this quote from him. Hope he doesn't mind. But this man named Joel Osteen, he's a preacher at at a, a big church in Houston. And he says, in regards to why he doesn't preach about hell, he says, people already feel guilty enough. They're not doing what they should, raising their kids. We can all find reasons. So I want them to come to Lakewood or our meetings and be lifted up to say, you know what? I may not be perfect, but I'm moving forward. I'm doing better. And I think that's what motivates you to do better. You want to know the problem with this? You want to know the problem with this whole speech? I think. That's the problem. We get into this idea that what we think is truth. What we think is what we should preach. And we get away from the word of God. That's the problem. We don't trust in God's word. We don't put our faith in God's word and know that if we go out there and we deliver it, it's going to make a difference. It's going to change lives. That's what we have to put our faith in. The word of God. Charles Spurgeon once said, if you have to give a carnival to get people to come to church, then you'll have to keep giving carnivals to keep them coming back. If our church, the reason you come to church is based on the fact that you get a great cup of coffee, what happens if the coffee runs out? If the reason you're coming to church is because Harry Potter, what happens when we don't talk about Harry Potter anymore and we move on to Avengers or something? What are we basing our faith on? And too many people in the religious world are seeing what they can do to be more like the world to bring people in and get people in the pews, and they're not thinking about the word of God. You will never influence the world by trying to be like it. Never. Colossians 2 and verse 8, it says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. 
We can attract all kinds of people by doing all different kinds of things. But if we're not using the word of God to build a foundation at their faith on the foundation of God's word, we've got a problem. We've got a problem. When we preach the word of God, we need to speak it plainly and say, this is why you should listen to the word of God, because Christ died for you. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, it says, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom ye have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. There are too many people in the world today who listen to the quote like we just talked about. We're not going to preach about hell. It's not important because that's what they think. And they get further and further away from the truth that is in Christ. We need to be the ones out there speaking it plainly and simply and completely because that's what people need. People need Christ. People need his word. What are we doing? Which leads us to the next point. And that's the fact that Paul understood the power in God's word. You see, his preaching consisted of Christ and him crucified. And we look back at our text, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we read verse 4. It says, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God of God. That's the foundation. When we preach the word of God, that's the foundation we build on the word of God and the power that it has because it can change lives. It can redirect paths. Do we trust in the power of God enough to go out and preach it in its simplicity? Or do we think it's outdated? People will tell you all the time, the word of God is outdated. It's not relevant to me today. I'm going to tell you, the word of God is powerful enough and it's as relevant now as it ever was. Do we trust in that power? Back in the previous chapter, Paul talks, he says in 1 Corinthians 1 and 23, it says, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. When you preach the word of God, when you preach the gospel, people are going to call you foolish, they're going to call you names. They're going to say you rely on an imaginary friend up in the clouds. I just read that this morning. But I'm going to tell you, if you've experienced the power of God, if you've obeyed the gospel, you know it's real because you felt it. You've experienced it. And those things that seem foolish to those other people, you know are not foolish. You know they're true. You know they're powerful. You know they're strong. You know that they can change your lives. How many people have we seen in the deepest, darkest parts of their lives turn to the word of God and now they're a new person? They've totally changed. You know why? Because the word of God is powerful enough to change. 
who you are, what you do, how you live, how you act. That's what the word of God can do. We've seen that. Some people haven't. We need to take that gospel to them. Show them how powerful the word of God is. The problem is, is in the religious world today, we see a lot of people who will only trust somebody who has a PhD after their name or so many hours in, sem- or so many hours in seminary. And they let these people direct their paths. And they'll go to church and they'll sit there on a Sunday morning and they'll listen to a preacher and they'll say, oh, that's good words. But you know what? They'll never crack the word of God to see if what was said was correct. They'll go on about their lives. They say, well, you know what? This guy has PhD behind his name. He's got all these credentials. I can trust him. The problem with that is that we can't trust in man. We can't trust in somebody to tell us how we should live our lives. We can't trust in somebody to tell us what decisions we should make. What we have to do is trust in the word of God. And yeah, let's listen to a preacher, but let's go check it. Let's go make sure that what that preacher has said is according to God's word. Isaiah 2 and 22, it says, Stop regarding man in whose nostrils is is breath, for what account is he? What good is a man? The problem with man is we're too easily pulled away from God by our temptations, by our wants, by our desires. And the more we attend to those things, the farther away we get from the word of God. That preacher with the credentials is the same way. Let's use the word of God. Let's use the word of God to preach the gospel so that when people go and we teach them, they can go to the word of God, we can encourage them to open it up and they can see it for themselves. Because it's powerful. It makes a difference. You know, there's a good story in, well, it's not a very good story. I mean, it's... It's a sad story. We'll just put it that way. In 1 Kings 13, about a, a prophet sent out to do this message. And I'm paraphrasing this. Go read it. I'm going to paraphrase it to, to get through this. But he sent out to give this message. He goes to the king. He prays to, to the Lord to heal the king's hand because of what the king had done. And the king says, hey, come, come to my place and let's have a meal together. And this is what he says. In verse nine of 1 Kings chapter 13, he says, for so it was charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. So this was the Lord's command to him. He said, don't eat any bread, don't drink water, and go home a different way that you came. And he told the king, I can't do that. This is what God told me to do. This is what I need to do. And you know what? He went on his way. Everything's good, right? Well, this old prophet hears about it, calls him to his, he sends a messenger, brings him to his house, brings him in. He says, you know what? An angel of the Lord told me that you need to come in and eat with me. And he says, you know what? He's a man of God. I can trust him. And we see what happens in verse 24. It says, and when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. And the carcass was cast in the way, and the ass stood by it. The lion also stood by the carcass. It wasn't because that lion was hungry. I'll tell you that. This man knew God's word. 
but he took the, the word of a man over that. A prophet. He trusted in men instead of God. We need to be out there preaching the gospel, depending on its power, and trusting in its power to change people. And then teaching people to go out and look for themselves, to see the power that is in the word of God and to use it. How many people in the world today are listening to a preacher, not double checking in the word of God and putting their lives in danger? See, the fact is, is when we preach the gospel, we need nothing more than the word of God. That's what we need to trust in. That's what we need to preach. Are we doing that? See, Paul understood this. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 6, he says, I have planted Apollos water and God gave the increase. Paul knew it wasn't about his great speech. Paul knew it wasn't anything that he could do. It was the word of God that would make the change. Do we trust in God's word that much? That if we go out and we push past our insecurities, our weaknesses, and we preach the word of God in its simplicity, in its truth, that it will change lives? Do we trust in that? I hope we do. And I hope we're out there preaching the gospel. Isaiah 55 and verse 11, it says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. Do we trust that the word of God will do what it was supposed to do? That it will touch lives, that it will change people? If we really trust in that, we're going to be out there spreading it every day. Taking every opportunity we have to teach people the gospel. So what can we learn from this this morning? First of all, we need to learn that we need to preach the gospel in spite of our insecurities and our weaknesses. Second of all, when we push past those, that we speak the word plainly. And third of all, we need to understand the power of the gospel, trust in it, and know that it's gonna do what it was intended to do. And if we do those things, if we're out there spreading the gospel using these ideas and trusting in God, we're gonna, we're gonna use the word of God to change people's lives. We're gonna fill the pews. And they're gonna have a foundation that will last forever. Because it's nothing we said, it's nothing we thought, it's what God said. So in closing this morning, I wanna think about this verse, Philippians chapter two and verse five, it says, let this mind be in you which also was in Christ Jesus who being made in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but it made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. It was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What could be more powerful than the fact that Christ lived a perfect life freely gave himself up and died on the cross, shed his blood for you, rose again on the third day so that you could be forgiven of your sins. The fact that he paid the price, what's more powerful than that? Absolutely nothing. Nothing we can do could make that any better, any sweeter. 
So if you're here today and you've never obeyed the gospel, think about that. Understand that a life was given for you so that you could be forgiven of your sins. We have water. We can, we can help you obey that gospel at this time. Or if you're here and you've never, and you've kind of turned your back away, maybe you've walked away, maybe you have some issues going on in your life and you want us to pray for you or pray with you, we can do that. If you come to the front while we stand to sing the psalm that's been selected. If you come to the front while we...